gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Well, hello. Welcome back to another edition of the My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2, and I would like to ask, how are you? I hope everybody is doing well today. I hope everybody's had a uh, well week. If you are a wrestling fan and you happen to listen to this episode because you want to listen to what happened throughout the news, just in general, that's not in wrestling. Um, We, as wrestling fans, we had a hard week this week. Uh, We lost Terry Funk, and this Thursday we lost... Bray Wyatt, a guy that the wrestling universe, wrestling fans really enjoyed and loved uh, thoroughly every time he was out there. Um, And now in the world of entertainment, I will say that we just lost, uh, hmm, we just lost Bob Barker. Bob Barker was, everybody will know him as the OG host of Price is Right. Everybody, I think, will say that he will go down as the greatest uh, Price is Right no, 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 not just Price is Right. The greatest game show host of all time. I think when you think of game show host, you're going to think of Bob Barker. And then you'll probably think of like Alex Trebek or um, even, uh, what's my man's name that's on uh, Wheel of Fortune right now? Pat Sajak. You're going to think of these guys, but I think at the top of the list, you're going to say Bob Barker first. But yeah, this week, just in entertainment alone, we lost three um, astute gentlemen in everybody's respective field but other than that this week has been covered with a lot of news topics and i'm gonna get to that in a minute but before i do so i would like to read you guys off the national food days of the week today being august the 27th it is burger day as well as pots de creme day which is basically creamery day um tomorrow august 28th it is cherry turnovers day august 29th chop suey day as well as Eat more herbs, less salt day. August 30th, it is Toasted Marshmallow Day. And to round us off for August, August 31st, it is Trail Mix Day. Bringing us into September. September the 1st, it is Gyro Day or Gyro Day, however you want to say it. And to round us off throughout the week, it is Blueberry Popsicle Day, International Bacon Day, and Grits for Breakfast Day, all on September the 2nd. Now, that was your National Food Days of the Week, and before I get away from the food topics here, I do want to make everyone well aware that watermelon season is almost over, and certain people might hear that, and they still want to try to buy up as much watermelons as they can. Please do note that if you do buy a watermelon, know that certain watermelons are starting to explode because of the hot temperatures that you might be living in. So uh, please be careful of that. And also, if you buy a watermelon, don't leave it out. Put it in your refrigerator so it can at least calm itself down. Because when you leave it out and you're in a hot environment, it will start to uh, foam up with white pus and it will start to smell bad. And meaning that your watermelon is starting to quickly overripen and start to expire basically in front of your face. Because remember, certain people are in hot areas, hot locations. So if I were you, if you want to buy a watermelon, go and do so, but put it in your refrigerator to keep it uh, cool and calm. That's all I can basically say for that. But if you don't, just know you got basically on a small time limit window to actually eat your watermelon if you don't refrigerate it. 
Now, moving off of that, I do want to talk about a news topic that came out of Russia this past week. Yevgeny Prezik, I hope I've said that man's name right. He was the guy that was about to lead a mutiny against Vladimir Putin because he was tired of having his uh, war dogs or just his people constantly fighting for the war that they're doing with Ukraine. He wanted to talk to Putin about this, try to tell Putin that they need to pull back. And Putin didn't want to listen to that, so he was about to turn his people on to Putin. I believe this was about a good two months or a month ago, one or the two. Either way, uh, Yevgeny, he passed away this week. He was in a, I believe it was a plane crash this past week. And people are speculating that it might have been because of Vladimir Putin. I'm not going to say that's the case. It's all just rumors and speculations. I will say this. It is kind of peculiar when you think about it that two months ago, uh, Pregini wanted to get at Putin and talk to him and try to force Putin to pull his troops back away from the Ukraine area. And Putin didn't want to do that. And they had the actual people from the government grab the man. And actually, I think he got drove over to Putin. And then after their little convo or whatever they had, homeboy said, you know what? We're going to keep our people there. We're going to keep our people constantly just still fighting against the Ukraine people. And now two months later, he ends up dying. I don't know what happened. I'm just going to say that's kind of eerie, in my personal opinion. It's eerie, it's strange, but also this should let people know that if you're in Russia, you probably want to, I will say if you're in Putin's circle, you probably want to tread lightly because I think he's starting to, not going to say unravel, but this was something that you would at least try to be not so not so obvious if you did do this. You at least tried to poison someone with their water or poison someone with their food or something like that. But a plane crash, that's kind of, I would say, obvious. But again, I'm not saying that Putin did do it. I'm just saying just for a person that's thinking about how can you get rid of someone and also send a message to people not to mess with you, especially people within your circle, you could do something as big as this. But again, it will kind of still have you in the limelight of saying, yo, you did this. Everybody knows that you did this, but we can't kind of uh, say that you did do it because, well, we have no evidence. But it's always going to be rumors and speculations that uh, Putin got rid of this guy. But I will say it again. Please, if you're in Putin's camp, please be careful of yourself. Do not get yourself in any volatile situation that can have you dead as well. And also... I still stand with the Ukrainian people. I still hope that Putin can have someone at least get through his thick skull and have his people pull back from this roar that him and the Ukrainian government are having. Um, that's what I'm still hoping for, but time will tell as the war between Russia and Ukraine still forges on. Now, this one news topic comes out of CNN. The next thing I want to talk about, and it's a Japanese family, says young doctor took his own life after working 200 hours of overtime in a single month and this is talking about a, a 26 year old doctor in japan he took his life last year after working 200 hours of overtime in a single month have pleaded for a change in a nation long plagued by overwork culture takashima shingo had been working as a resident doctor at a hospital in kobe city when he took his own life last may according to public 
broadcast NHK. According to the family's lawyers, Shingo had worked more than 207 hours overtime in the month before his death and had not taken a day off for three months. The hospital has denied those accusations in a press conference last week, but in June, the government's labor inspection body ruled his death a work-related incident due to his long hours, according to NHK, highlighting the immense pressure placed on health care workers. Japan has long battled a persistent overwork culture with employees across various sectors reporting punishing hours, high pressure from supervisors, and deference to the company, according to the Ministry of Health, Labor, and Welfare. The ensuring stress and mental health toll has even caused a phenom called Kuroshi or death by overwork, leading to legislation meant to prevent death and injury from excessive work hours. At a news conference last Friday, Shingo's parents described what they said was a young man driven to desperation and expressed their grief over his death. Prior to his suicide, his mother said the doctor would say it was too hard and that no one would help him, according to video published by local media of the news conference. No one is looking out for me, he kept telling me. I think the environment put him over the edge, the mother would say. My son will not become a kind doctor, nor will he be able to save patients and contribute to society, she added. However, I sincerely hope that the working environment for doctors will be improved so that the same thing will not happen again in the future. So I bring this topic up to say this. If you are feeling overworked in any job that you're in, whether you're a doctor, a teacher, a nurse, a or even a student, or whatever job that you're in, if you're feeling overworked or you're feeling just completely just stressed out, please, Drop everything, and I don't care who gets upset with you. Take some time out for yourself, literally. I think people are trying to say, yo, mental health and physical health are important. And that's just a phrase that everybody likes to say, and they don't really follow that up. No, I'm being serious. If you are feeling so overworked or you're just feeling stressed out, literally stop what you're doing. Walk around somewhere. Get to a place that is quiet if you can find it and just... Stop and just take a breather and breathe in, breathe out. If you need to go to your car and turn on the air conditioner and just breathe in, breathe out, do that. Do something that you could just stop and just breathe. You need to do so because this is not the way. I'm saddened to hear that a young doctor took his life because he worked over 200 hours in overtime in a single month. That's insane. People might say that might be normal, but I don't think so. I think 200 hours in overtime in a single month is completely insane. That's lunacy. And again, doctors, they have a stress-ridden job, so people might say that comes with the territory. No. No job should have you working 200 hours or more in overtime in a single month. That shouldn't happen at all, but Again, if you are expressing or experiencing some stress, please take some time out, breathe in, breathe out. And if they're not allowing you to take the time out to stop and breathe, just walk. Trust me, they might try to reprimand you, but just yell at them, say, hey, yo, dog, I need this time because if I don't, something bad is going to happen to everybody. And if people hear that, they might stop and say, oh, you're threatening. No, I'm telling you because people's mental states are being messed with so much. And that somebody might snap off. And trust me, people would rather have 
you go at least away for at least a day or two or even a couple hours or two then you actually snap it off and having to take someone's life i think that businesses would rather have you legit step away but that's just all my thinking and my thinking happens to be a rightful mind thinking not this whole crappy way that people like to still be around and pussyfoot around things i think that you need to really stop and just uh Take care of yourself, to be honest, if you're still having any mental issues of that magnitude of work. But I digress. Um, still, take time out for yourself if you are feeling overwhelmed and overworked. Please do so. Next up on the agenda, I want to talk about Donald Trump's uh, mugshot. For anyone that is not aware of this, Donald Trump, he did turn himself in into uh, Georgia's uh, Fulton County for the charges that he is facing. Talking about... Uh, overturning the 2020 election, whatever else they got from, I personally don't care. Um, I care about the mugshots here. A lot of his uh, co-conspirators that they have uh, locked in or at least put in his uh, case with him, a lot of them were smiling. Donald Trump didn't really have a smile. He just kind of looked at the camera like with a usual Donald Trump face. Like, I wonder what they were all smiling about. Usually when you get like someone in a mugshot, they're not really the smiling of people, but these people were smiling. A lot of them were smiling and it just seemed like something's up their sleeves, at least for me and my thinking process of this. Again, I don't know what's going on. This is big business above my head, but a lot of people were waiting on social media this past uh, week whenever they found out the news that Donald Trump was going to turn himself in. People were waiting for their mugshot, and now apparently people are starting to sell items with Trump's uh, mugshot on it on Etsy and other variety of places that people can just get their creative juices flowing with the mugshot. People are using it any and everywhere, and I can't really blame them because Donald Trump right now is the first ever former or current president, however you want to call it, to have ever had a mugshot. So Trump has made history with that, and you know what? It is what it is. I personally do not care. I personally just found it hilarious that he just kind of had his regular Donald Trump face on. But the biggest question that I do want to kind of ponder here and wonder about is if Donald Trump does get found guilty of all this type of crap of what he is alleged of doing, um, does he keep Secret Service with him when he goes into prison or jail, whatever one you want to call it? Does he keep Secret Service? Because as a former president, you always will have uh, bodyguards with you. That's kind of part of the package. Because when you're president, you have bodyguards. When you leave presidency, you will retain your bodyguards with you. So that leads me to wonder, will Trump be able to have his bodyguards with him if he happens to be found guilty of what he's being alleged of? Because if he goes into jail, prison, whatever one it is, with his bodyguards, that is more added protection for him, a.k.a. meaning that nobody can truly mess with you. And that seems like a real good spot if you were to uh, just be up in prison. Now, I'm not going to say Donald Trump will be going to prison. I don't think that's going to happen at all. But just think about it. The former president going to jail, going to prison and having his bodyguards with him in prison and the bodyguards didn't even do nothing. It's just your job that you have to watch over the former president and you're going to be literally be stuck in jail or prison with the former president that's insane but that's only if that's a part of it and again i don't think any of that's going to happen i think something's going to be over 
ruled or get thrown out or whatever the mess may have you. Again, we're still gonna wait and see what happens with this whole uh Trump and his co-conspirator cases. I don't care what's gonna happen. I just want to know the end result. Is he gonna be found guilty or not? But again, I don't think he's going to jail. Long story less long. Now continuing on with staying in the political world, I want to talk about uh one of the Republican uh kind of presidential candidates, uh, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley, she talked to Bloomberg Markets on Thursday, and what picked up about that interview that she had was her addressing, like, raising the retirement age, and she wanted to raise the retirement age from 65. Right now, she says 65 is way too low and needs to be increased in relation to the average U.S. lifespan. So Nikki Haley wants to have a retirement age basically go up. Now, my thing with this is that 65 seems like the perfect age. If anything, you should bump it down lower because people's mentally mentally is starting to uh, drain them. As you already heard from me talk about an earlier story, talking about the uh, Japanese uh, doctor who put in that overtime and he ended up basically unaliving himself. Mental health is straight up going down the tubes right now. 65 seems like the perfect time because guess what? That's good. But if you want to lower it down to even the 60, I would think that would be great. And people might say, Gerald, that's too low for uh, retirement. Uh, no, not with the way everything is going right now. I don't think 60 is low at all. I think 60 might even be the sweet spot, to be completely honest with you, for people to hit that retirement button. But I digress. Nikki Haley has stated that she believes that politicians over the age of 75 should be required to take a cognitive competency test, meaning that seeing if you're competent to even work at this job, be the president. So she doesn't want 65 to be the age for retirement. She wants it to go up and she thinks 65 is too low. However, you think anybody that's in politics over the age of 75 should take a competency test. Now, is she wrong in that of saying that someone over 75 should take a competency test? No, I think anybody over 75 needs to take a competency test because certain people over at the age of 75 is not competent. They're not able to do things that they were once able to do. Now, I'm not citing her for that. I just think that I find it funny that you're saying that 65 is way too low. I just think that Nikki Haley needs to have a price point or age point of saying, yo, this is the cap age for everything at the age of 70 you get your retirement you get social security whatever you want and you go about the rest of your days living if you want to say that if you want to say 67 68 69 apparently not 65 she can even say 66 cool but she needs to figure out an age that she's comfortable with because right now i don't think she's going to win over any body that she's going against and that's not an indictment against her that's just what it is when you are in that republican bubble and you're a female at least if you're a female candidate up there you're just competing against a lot of guys and traditionally it doesn't turn out right for the females over there so nikki haley i just want this to be thrown out you're right that someone over the age of 75 in politics they need to take a competency test you're right on that and you're also right about the age of retirement, 65. I think 65 is too high. I think the age of 60 needs to be the exact age for people to just take out for retirement and go about the rest of their life. I'm going to be completely honest with you.
And people might be saying, Gerald, what about the government? What about all these other type of programs that could eventually bankrupt America? Because she tries to uh, argue that increasing the age is necessary to avoid uh, Medicare and Social Security going into bankruptcy. Listen, I don't know who anybody's trying to play with. I don't know who people are playing with here, but we make our money. People are able to make money in counterfeit bills. People are getting better at it day by day. There'll be a time somewhere down the line in the future, somebody's going to be able to make a counterfeit credit card, debit card, and actually have it be functioning fully. The days are going to come. So I don't know what people are trying to play with here. People are able to make money. That was a legitimate thing back in the day. And it still might be the thing now. That's why people got that whole money uh, marker to see if you got a counterfeit or not. But you get my point. The government can make their own money. I don't know why people are trying to play around saying America's going to go bankrupt. How long has it been saying America's going to go bankrupt? For some time. How long has America been giving money to other countries? We've been doing that, what, for the past year and a half now for Ukraine now. And now we got people in the uh, political world uh, saying things about that. So, again, cut the crap. You're not playing me. The big forces in the air are not playing with me like this. This is stupid. I just feel that the age for retirement needs to be at 60 and allow people to at least still be able to be mobile, move around and just go about their life at the age of 60. Because at the age of 60, you can still do what you want if you are limber enough and you can still have a good time at the age of 60. But we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, Nikki Haley, you're not winning, bro. No chance. No way. Next up on the docket, I want to talk about schooling uh, situations that's been going around. Um, People are starting to go back to school, whether it's recently or this past month. August is always the month where people are starting to get back into the school rhythm. They're picking their kids clothes, their materials, certain college kids are going back to their college or going to a new college. You know what I mean? August is basically the setup for people to be going to school in September. If you're not in school by August, you're you're about to go back in September. And I want to read you guys something from the New York Times as the title would read, Yale Police to First Year Students Beware the Streets of New Haven. Andre Fiasso an incoming first-year student at Yale University has been in the United States for 12 days. He arrived from New Zealand on his own, three suitcases in tow. As he pulled his luggage through downtown New Haven, a woman handed him a flyer describing his new city as crime-ridden and dangerous. It listed an alarming local crime statistics and instructed students to remain on campus, avoid public transportation, and stay off the streets after 8 p.m. Illustrated with a picture of the Grim Reaper, the flyer wish students an anonymous good luck. Continuing on in the article, they will say the most jarring was the source of the flyer who basically printed it out and listed was the text that read the union that represents Yale's own campus police. In the days since the union distributed the survival guide uh, flyers, Yale administrators and police officials have been scrambling to calm first year students and their parents down. Andrew Campbell, the chief of the Yale Police Department, said the Flyers wrongly printed New Haven as a war zone. I'm extremely hurt and sad and disgusted by the actions taken by Yale Police Benevolent Association. The police union said Campbell, who once led the New Haven Police Department, 
I think it is divisive and destructive for any police officer to disparage the city in which they work. Now, here's the thing about this. The police union flyer reported that murders have doubled, burglaries are up 33%, and motor vehicle thefts are up 56% in the first seven months of the years. The numbers are accurate, but the mayor called them cherry-picking and misleading. He noted that violent crime has decreased 29.2% since 2020, although homicides are up and the number of shootings have come down. Overall, over the last three years or so, crime is down, he said, adding, while the actual numbers may be accurate, they don't represent or present the full picture of what's going on. So, I don't care what anybody says. Um, if a flyer tells you, Ayo, remain on campus, avoid public transportation, do not walk alone, stay off the streets after... 8 p.m. and they're all from the Yale's on campus police. I don't see this as a warning sign. I see this as a survival guide. I see this as a way to keep you guys safe. Me personally, I would say, okay, cool. They gave me something that basically keep me safe and make sure I don't end up dead. And also, I'll let my parents know about that because guess what? They need to be aware of this or at least your loved ones need to be aware of what's going on. So if something were to happen to you after 8 p.m. because certain people got parents or loved ones that will call them at 8 or after 8 just to make sure they're good and safe and you don't pick up, they at least just like alert, Ayo, something's going down. I call them up at 8 every time because something I read off the flyer. You get my drift here. So I don't think anything was wrong with uh, a woman handing the first year student this flyer. I don't think that the mayor is completely telling the truth. If he's saying that the numbers are accurate, but it doesn't represent the full picture of what's going on, dude, the numbers are accurate. That's all that people care about. People care about the numbers. If the numbers are right, people are going to constantly worry and figure out, okay, what's going on? Am I in the right spot? They don't care about the full picture. They only see the numbers. And with due respect, that's all anybody cares about. So I don't have a problem with the Yale's uh, campus police doing this at all. I don't understand why the mayor does. The mayor probably doesn't want to scare the people there. But it's better to tell them the truth instead of trying to hide this crap from them. And they end up dying and everybody acts dummified and be like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you dumb nitwit you gave them the flyer you told them what to do you told them not to be dumb and if they straight up don't pay attention to the flyer to a degree it is on them because guess what you got told what to do what not to do matter of fact let me tell you guys something right now in certain states and you know what i'm about to say the states when i say this in certain states you can't wear certain colors because people will think you're gang affiliated whenever you walk into that state and you start walking around with a certain color on. Either a red, blue, uh, a yellow, a purple. You get my point here. And I think you know what I'm talking about here. You cannot wear certain colors in certain areas of a certain state. And there have been YouTube videos saying this. There have been people talking about this. And if you still do not pay attention or heed their warning, it is on you now. Because you now have the warning. You now have... Someone kind of like tapping you on the shoulder, tapping you on the hand, telling you, yo, dog, don't do this, don't do that. And if you still don't pay attention or you still don't heed to their warning, it's kind of on you. That's kind of your fault here. So I don't see nothing wrong with this happening. I just feel that if more colleges were to give out sheets the way that Yale's 
campus police gave out sheets, I think a lot of people would actually be safe or at least know, okay, I can't be out of this time where I can't cross this or that. I think more people would be more cautious instead of being free. And then next, you know, somebody that you love is dead and gone because of something that's been going on for some time and they didn't know nothing about it has been going on. And again, I'd rather have someone be cautious and know about certain things instead of going into something head first, not knowing, and then end up dead whenever the rest of their surroundings knew about what was going on. So I have no problem with this. So again, parents, you probably want to ask your kid that's in a college that's probably not close to you, you know, what's the rates? What's the crime rate around it? Did anybody ever give you any type of pamphlet or any type of guide to say, yo, don't come out at this time? Did they give you any type of survival guide? Because I feel the colleges should do that now. Since reading this, I think colleges need to do that a lot more. Now, continuing on in the school route here, I want to read you all something that happened this past week. Driver charged after crash with school bus that killed a child and injured 23 others. A man has been charged with aggravated vehicular homicide after a crash involving a school bus in Clark County, according to Ohio State Highway Patrol. One student died and 23 others were injured in Tuesday crash along State Route 41. It happened around 8.16 a.m. when Northwestern local schools said a school bus carrying 52 Kids crashed while on one of their elementary routes. Now, according to their highway patrol sergeant, a Honda Odyssey was traveling east and went left of the center into their uh, westbound lane of a school bus. The bus drove onto the side, well, the shoulder to avoid the car, but still made contact. After making contact, the school bus traveled off the right side of the roadway and overturned. The Honda traveled off on the right side of the road as well before it came to a full stop. Now, the kid that died, he was ejected from the bus and died at the scene. Uh, 23 of the total kids were taken to the hospital, 13 by first responders and 10 by, 10 by family members. One student uh, is injured, is in serious condition, and was taken to the children's hospitals, and 22 others appear to have non-life-threatening injuries. The bus driver, he did not uh, suffer any kind of serious injuries. He just suffered minor injuries, and he was not taken to the hospital. The driver of the Honda was taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. He was placed under arrest, and he was charged with aggravated vehicular a manslaughter, and he was transported to the Clark County Jail on Wednesday. Now, I want to give my condolences to the parents that lost their kid because of someone acting uh, reckless here. And this is a situation here where a kid lost his life because of someone acting reckless on the road. This is why I want everyone here within the sound of my voice, wherever you're driving this upcoming week, and you happen to drive by a school bus. Please have some time. Please be careful. Please be safe because you don't know what's happening on that bus. You know, kids are on that bus. You don't want to be the reason why a kid ends up dying. And now this driver has to deal with that. This driver has to deal with being the reason why someone's kid is never going to make it home. This person's kid was going to school and happened to die. And again, no parent ever thinks their kid is going to die when they get on the school bus. The school bus, when you think about it, it is a big machine. It's a big old vehicle. You think that it should be able to, if it gets hit, okay, 
is going to like bend the bus, but you don't think your kid's gonna die from it. But the kid was ejected from the bus and he died at the scene. So I just this it was weird. It was weird when I heard it. I think I should have brought it here and I'm bringing it here so everybody can kiss their kids on the forehead when it's time for them to go back to school and they ride the bus. Kiss them on the forehead. Tell them that you love them. Send them off on the bus. And if you are having second thoughts about taking them on the bus, take them in their car or try to create a, uh, what do they like to call it whenever even co-workers do it now? It's, uh, God, it's some type of uh, community type of vehicle. Or take turns, like, hey, I'll take my kid, your kid, and your kid to school this day, and do that type of deal. If you are worried about your kid getting into any type of uh, situation or a car might be hitting the bus. Again, this was a freak accident, a freak situation. Not a lot of this happens, but when something like this does happen, it does change a lot of parents' minds about how they go into basically whatever they want to do with their kid next or what they want to do with their life next. And I think with this, I think certain parents might be thinking or rethinking of letting their kid be on the bus. Again, that's just my thought. I'm here to bring this news to you and bring this topic to you. And just for you guys to think about it, that's all I'm here to do with that. Continuing on with the path of school here, as reported by Fox 11 Los Angeles, Junior high teacher in Chino Hills arrested on suspicions of being drunk in class. Southern California authorities said a 49-year-old junior high teacher in the Inland Empire was arrested on suspicions of showing up drunk to class on Thursday, August 24th, around 11.20 a.m. Officers from the Chino Hills Police Department were called to Robert O. Townsend Junior High School. Officials said someone called the department to report a teacher was under the influence of an alcoholic beverage with students in the classrooms. Shortly after officers arrived at the school, they determined the teacher identified as Clifford Harper was under the influence. He faces the charges of public intoxication and child endangerment. Harper, a Rancho Cucamonga resident, was then booked into the West Valley Detention Center. Now, this isn't the only drinking incident that we had. This happened this week. The one I'm about to talk to you guys happened last week, and this comes from a teacher in Oklahoma, a third grade teacher in Oklahoma, was arrested for allegedly being under the influence on the first day of school. On August 17th, Perkins Tryon school officials reported to the school resource officer that they thought that Kimberly Coates, 53, was possibly intoxicated at the intermediate school towards the end of the day, around 3.20 p.m., according to a statement by the city of Perkins. I noticed Kimberly had red, watery eyes and a thick, slurred speech. Kimberly had a hard time completing sentences, the school resource officers wrote in the police report. Police said they confirmed that Ms. Coates was indeed under the influence of alcohol. The statement continued. The third grade teacher, seemingly holding back tears, admitted to police that she drank a lot last night, estimating she consumed a half a box of wine the night before and stopped drinking around 3 a.m., according to body cam footage. According to the school website, the school day begins at 8.25. Now, I'm going to stop reading the article there because I've seen the actual video. If you haven't seen it, I think you can still go to Instagram or Twitter or even on YouTube and just look up uh, Kimberly Coates, well, Coates and uh, teacher arrested. And you can at least see the body camera footage 
of her being interrogated by the police officer and the research officer literally in the exact same office and she's trying to straight up deny and deny until it comes back to the point that she has to blow on the uh, machine that says how high your uh, alcohol uh, limit is. That's what kind of busted her. One, two, uh, the research officer went into her room and grabbed her cup and smelled it and it smelled like wine and she constantly tried to say nope i only had juice in there but then when the police officer smelled it he asked her okay again do you want you sure you want to not change your story here and ultimately she ends up getting booked she ends up getting arrested and i don't get what the deal is with teachers right now i never had any of these problems if a teacher was drinking on a job i at least can say this they damn sure held it and kept it tightly under lid. I'm just going to be blunt. There was no way a teacher was drinking on the job when I was a kid in school, not in elementary, middle, or even high school, because you at least would see something suspicious or weird about them. The teachers acted accordingly in their places of business of teaching. It was common practice. It was common knowledge every day. Literally, the teachers acted the same. Now with this new generation that the kids are going into the school, I don't know if the teachers want to be more relaxed. I don't know if the teachers just don't care anymore. I don't know if the stress has gotten to them so much. I don't know what it is, but you just heard me read two stories about teachers getting drunk at their place of work. They are teachers. They are teaching the youth. They are literally people that are supposed to help guide your kid in the <laughs> educational field. That's their job. And if you're drinking on the job, if you have watery eyes and you're slurring your speech, how good can you be on your job? Now, Kimberly Coates, this was her first day of school while my other guy, Clifford Harper, this was not the first day of school. The first day of school started for them on August the 7th. So, Again, I don't know what's going on with the teachers here. I don't know what's going on with the whole schooling system. If a teacher is getting overwhelmed, have them go on a break. I think the schools need to have a break anyway. More breaks than what they are now. I think for me, I feel that schools need to have like a month on for schooling, take two weeks off or even three weeks off, then go back to schooling for another month in a week and then go back to three weeks again same thing is enough for the teachers and the kids to re-energize themselves kids are different from when i was a kid kids are starting to get leveled up in what they are being taught and teached certain kids are being teached what fourth grade stuff at second grade it's ridiculous it's weird to me but some uh schooling educational uh systems that's part of their program. That's part of their curriculum. It doesn't make sense to me. And you as a parent, as an older sibling that's helping out a younger sibling that's been out of school for some time now, at least public school like that. And you see it, you would question yourself because you remember thinking about when you were a kid, this, you shouldn't be learning this right now. And the teacher, you bring it up to the teacher. They said, no, that's part of the curriculum. Now you would just be stunned. And there's nothing that you can technically do about it because if it's part of the curriculum, you got to at least try to fall within the curriculum and try to get your kid or sibling going through into the next grade and help them out as much as you possibly can. But again, if the teachers are having a hard time, 
right now, as it is. Again, I think the whole schooling system needs to be looked at differently. I think that teachers and students need to be on vacation way more. I think they need to have breaks and not just these little crappy breaks. I mean, like legitimate breaks that the teachers at least can rest their minds, get themselves together, and the students can get themselves together. That's what I'm thinking. But again, that's just me. School systems just began. I'm going to be here. If more school shenanigans happen to pop up, I'm going to bring it to you guys here. And that's just it with the schooling situation. Now, on to the next thing on the docket. I've said it before. I've said it again. Catholic priests, they are nasty individuals. And it finally, yet again, proves my point. Uh, this is an article from CBS News. As it was reported, a New Orleans priest publicly admits to sexually abusing minors. After years of denial, a notorious former New Orleans church leader admitted in an interview that he sexually molested or harassed several teenagers during his career. CBS affiliate WWL-TV in New Orleans was interviewing Lawrence Hecker with the British newspaper The Guardian about a statement he gave to New Orleans church leaders in 1999 when he made the confession. Hecker, 91, became an ordained priest in 1958 according to a timeline compelled by the new station he used that position to abuse or harass minors over the years. In 1988, reports of his actions reached the New Orleans Archbishop. Hecker convinced the Archbishop he would never again be in any such circumstances and face no consequences until 1999, when continued reports against Hecker led the Archbishop and his, well, seance to send him into a psychiatric treatment facility outside of Louisiana. There, he was diagnosed as a pedophile. Nah. And the facility recommended he be prohibited from working with minors or other, well, people that are vulnerable, according to a personal file reviewed by WWL-TV. Now, WWL-TV would look into the 1999 complaint, and it would state that Hecker acknowledged committing overly sexual acts with three underage boys and said he had close relationships with four others that lasted until the 1980s. When he was asked if he had performed the acts laid out in the statement, Hecker told the news affiliates yes twice. His admission was recorded on video. Hecker said he was truly repentant and can't answer whether he thought law enforcement should pursue a case against him. Hecker has never been criminally prosecuted according to WBL-TV, but he has been the subject of an investigation by the New Orleans District Attorney's Office. So yet again, this further proves my point. Do not have your kids around Catholic priests. Do not have your people around these Catholic churches. The Catholic church is a nasty place, period, point blank. I think it's been stated more times, and I think more stories are starting to come out more and more, and I hope people understand that religion is something that is personal between you and your higher being. I don't think it requires you going to a building. If you want to go to a building, sure, but do not have your loved ones being associated with someone. If your loved ones, aka your kids, are being associated with someone, you as a parent, you need to be around them. Because you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's happening. Anyone that is actually cares about your child or your other loved one that could be a teenager. 
they would not have a problem if the adult is around. Because guess what? They can still drop game. They can still teach them the jewels. They can still give them motivation with the parent being around. And with the parent being around, guess what? It can even give the parent the motivation. So if someone is taking a liking to your kid or your loved one and they don't want you to be around and you're the parent or even the older sibling, they don't want the older sibling being around, take that as a sign and step away from them. But again, this further proves my point. Catholic Church, nasty. More stories are constantly coming out. This one, I think, came out and it got on my radar. And, and I just wanted to, again, kick the Catholic Church while it's down on its back yet again. You guys are nasty. You guys are disgusting. There's been multiple stories about you guys. And I'm never going to get my foot off your necks until the whole situation is basically burnt to a crisp, if I'm going to be completely honest. I don't like it. I think it's disgusting. I think it's nasty. And as more stories come out, I'm going to be on here again. My foot on their neck constantly. So prepare for that. Next on the docket, Fire Festival 2. Fire Festival 2 is a go. Billy McFarlane, he is working on Fire Festival 2. And the first like outings, the first tickets have sold out. I just want to say this right now. Anyone that bought Fire Festival 2, Fire Festival tickets for this thing, you guys deserve to get scammed, and I don't want to hear no one complaining or bitching about it if this thing turns into a complete disaster, complete this crap show. Because you guys do know what happened with the first Fire Festival, right? You guys could go into Hulu and Netflix. They both have documentaries about how Fire Festival 1 was a complete, and I don't care what anybody says about this, it was a legit shit show. It was nothing to, it was nothing. You have video of people walking around. They thought they're going to get these bungalows. They think they're going to get these nice, uh, <laughs> nice sleeping arrangements when it was, nope, you got there and it was like tents. And there's the infamous photo of someone taking a picture of what they were feeding them, a sandwich. It was a crappy <laughs> ensemble sandwich as well. But you guys are, Still giving money to this Billy McFarlane guy. You guys really don't give two farts about your money like that, do you? You guys don't. You guys want to give this guy the money just so you guys can say, well, I was at Fire Festival too. And if it comes a crapshoot, well, I can at least say I was at it and yeah. Or, oh, I got suckered again. And no, I'm going to say this right now. If Fire Festival 2 happens to go in flames, I hope... The government, I hope nobody in the legal system, I hope no one represents anyone here if any of this goes in complete disastrous flames. I'm being serious right now because the first one was a complete, as I said before, shit show. It did not go well. It was trash. And this one, I'm not, I'm not certain how this one's even going to go off. Now, I want to read you guys the ticket prices here because this astonished me. The first 100 tickets were the cheapest people could buy, starting at $499 and going up to $7,999. People bought the tickets. People bought the tickets. Now, you might be asking yourself, where is this festival going to take place? It's going to take place in the Caribbean. The Caribbean. Now, do I believe that this is going to happen? No. Do I believe that it's going to work out? No. I could be dead wrong, but we'll have to find out. The festival will take place next year. Sometime in the Car uh, Caribbean, but 
I don't think it's gonna happen. I think, as I said before, it's gonna be another shit show. And I think the morons, and I'm gonna call you that, morons that bought tickets to this, you guys deserve to get scammed if it's gonna get scammed again. And I'm still staying on this. If it goes down in complete flames, I hope nobody in the law, and I mean this, represents you. And I hope Billy McFarlane gets away with this. If it goes down in flames if it happens to turn out being great and guess what billy mcfarland he has straight up just uh corrected his reputation and he can be another party promoter but i don't see it happening to be completely honest because everybody's just going to associate billy mcfarland with the first fire festival but we'll have to see what happens next year but i want to keep everybody uh up to date on this because I didn't know about it until it hit my radar. I remember looking at the documentary of this whenever I was in uh, doing a class about party event planning. And I saw this doc. It was a part of the assignment. And we had to list things that went wrong that he did. And Billy made a lot of mistakes. Hopefully, Billy covers all the mistakes that he did last time. And this time, it actually works out well for him now. A hustler is going to hustle, and Billy McFarlane, he's a hustler. I can only say that. So if he gets it right, congrats. But if he doesn't, hey, he knew the deal, and y'all knew the deal. So we'll have to wait and see what happens next year. But Fire Festival 2, I doubt it, to be completely honest with you. Now, on to the next topic here, and I want to talk about Reggie Bush in NCAA. Reggie Bush, he's a former uh, NFL player, former college football player, former Heisman winner, and that's the key there, Heisman winner. Reggie Bush, he is filing a defamation suit against NCAA because he wants his Heisman Trophy back. As it's come from CNN, as it would state, former University of Southern California superstar Reggie Bush is accusing the NCAA of defamation in a lawsuit filed Wednesday in the Indiana Superior Court and is again asking the collegiate sports governing body to reinstate his football records so he can get his 2005 Heisman Trophy back. The filing centers on a 2021 statement from the NCAA that said its rules still prohibited pay-for-play type arrangements based on the recent changes to name, image, and likeness, NIL rules, and previous penalties, including those that are several years old, will not be reevaluated and reconsidered. Now, for the people that do not know what the big deal is with Reggie Bush and NCAA, well, in 2010, Reggie Bush voluntarily gave up his coveted Heisman Award after NCAA investigation found he received benefits of several thousands of dollars in a vehicle that were not allowed at the time and he was ruled ineligible as of 2004. But they found this out all in 2010. So when Reggie Bush gave up the trophy, yes, there have been people within the sports world and even as fans saying, yo, that's not right. Reggie Bush should be getting his back, his Heisman Trophy as years would go on. But in 2021, when the NCAA kind of let up on some of the rules back in uh, 2021, when the Supreme Court ruled that college athletes can receive education-related payments for their use of their name, image, and likeness, Reggie Bush petitioned to get his award back, well, reinstated to him, but NCAA did not answer him to no avail. So right now, that's what's going on. Reggie Bush is trying to get his trophy back and also get his uh well records being reinstated back into the record books for the NCAA. 
because in 2005, he rushed for 1,740 yards on just 200 carries and scored 18 total touchdowns for the University of Southern California. So Reggie Bush would say this, that the NCAA has made a statement about me accusing me of engaging in a pay-for-play arrangement, which is 100% not true. Not only is it not true, but there's no evidence to even support that claim. Bush said during the press conference that him and his lawyers had on Wednesday, it wasn't even part of the initial NCAA investigation. So this is a new accusation. As far as I'm concerned, that was picked up by all of you. All the media outlets picked it up as if this was the reason why I'm not getting my Heisman Trophy back and why I'm not being reinstated. And that's not true. That's what this lawsuit is about. It's about truth, getting the facts out, and I'm holding the NCAA accountable. Now, having read all that out loud, I would like to say this. I always found the NCAA like rules about college players cannot get money always weird. Like, I understand... Uh, the college is giving you a full ride. Like, you don't have to pay for your tuition. Certain people don't have to pay for their room. Or I don't even think some people have to pay for their food because some of the, if you're an athlete, you got like uh, dining for free or something like that. One of the two things around that area, like if you're an athlete, you get perks. But the thing is, you do not get paid that's a part of the whole NCAA thing. They want you to just play the game and love the game for what it is as the game. But you know, the funny thing is because when you played as a game and you're doing it for the love of the game, um, when you get injured, guess what happens? If the college does not find you sustainable or they do not value you like that, they will cut you. And if they cut you, you are at risk of losing your scholarship, your full ride scholarship, and now you're just out in the cold. And you know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like a business move and also sounds like a personal move. Because let me tell you something, in a business, guess what? You can get cut in a business that revolves around sports. You can get cut and you're out left in the cold. But guess what happens? Professionals, they get paid for the time they were there. Not just room and board. No, they get paid actual money. And for these college players at that time, not to be receiving no type of money, no type of anything is disgusting. I understand. As I said, they get paid their whole uh, scholarship. But let's be honest here. College students are understanding this more and more. That's why certain people are having a hard time with the whole idea of going to college because you're going there for a piece of paper. You're already having to compete against people that probably graduated a year before you, the semester before you, and you're in the exact same field and market as them. And guess what? They haven't even got chosen yet. You're already thinking of what makes me so special if you're an athlete and you don't get drafted now you got to go into the real work field, and now you're going against other people. You're competing against them. College is something different. So that's why all these student athletes, they want to make it to the professionals. That's what they're trying to do. But anyway, I'm going about the long way route here. NCAA not paying uh, these athletes is ridiculous. And Reggie Bush, at the time, they're trying to say that he was paid to play in University of South uh, Southern California and Reggie Bush saying, nope, that was not the case. It doesn't matter to me. If I'm going to be completely honest, I think that college players should be paid. And I'm glad now with the NIL uh, rules and the whole thing with them, 
college players are actually getting sponsorship deals. They're actually getting deals that they actually can get paid. Do I think colleges are paying people still underneath the table? Yes, without a doubt. Do I think colleges are still bribing people? Yes, without a doubt. But you can't make it so obvious because that will get you in some heavy water. Again, I don't understand how all of that even comes into play because when you want the best person, guess what? You can kind of iggy them a little bit, kind of nudge them in the right direction with some type of items. It's not a bad thing. Now, if they're assigned into a contract, that'll be contract tampering in like professionals in the actual pro world have a problem with that. And that's whenever you get slapped on the wrist. But if there is no contract that says, hey, yo, I am going to this college and I signed to be at this college and all that type of stuff, I don't see how it's a problem for the colleges for of another uh, institution want you and try to grab you up. I don't see nothing wrong with that, to be completely honest with you. I don't see how they can even deem that like not right because guess what? Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants their college to be successful. Not everybody's going to be uh, Alabama or all these other big colleges that excel and have high standards in certain sporting professions. And for Reggie Bush's case, he was already in the NFL when he voluntarily gave up his Heisman Trophy in 2010. He was with uh, the New Orleans Saints. At least this was his last run with the Saints before he went off to another team. Again, you can look at his Wikipedia and they'll tell you his teams for that. But now Reggie Bush, he wants his Heisman Trophy back since the NIL rulings has now come into play. And Give Reggie Bush back his stuff, man. Give him back his trophy. If I was Reggie, I would have never gave up the trophy. I'm going to be completely honest. You can fire whatever you want back in 2010. There was no way on God's green. If I have it, you're not getting that from me. Especially the way that, as I said before, these college athletes at the time, because Reggie Bush at the time was a pro, but at the time when he won the Heisman Trophy, you guys put your bodies on the line. You went through a lot of crap just to get to that point and win that trophy. There's no way I'm returning that. No way. You got to really hit me up and try to really come back, like, to even to my home to try to grab that trophy from me. But Reggie Bush, he voluntarily gave up the trophy. But, again, I hope Reggie Bush gets his trophy back. I hope he gets his awards and accolades back because NCAA, the whole not paying a college athlete thing was so dumb. It was dumb then. It's dumb now for any colleges to still try to hold on to that style of rule. Just pay your people. That's all you have to do. But we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, Reggie gets his uh, trophy back. That's all that really matters. Now, speaking and keeping us in the sports world here, Stephen A. Smith. I talked about it last Sunday. Stephen A. Smith has now finally announced on this week's edition of the First Take that Shannon Sharp will be joining First Take September 4th. He will be joining the First Take crew on Mondays and Tuesdays. And that's what's happening. Shannon Sharpie's now signed on to ESPN. That's one of his gigs. And also, this week was another big week for Shannon Sharp because Shannon Sharp also announced that he'll be joining uh, Colin Cowherd's uh, The Volume uh, Media. Well, Shannon Sharp, Shay Shay Media, and Colin Cowherd's uh, The Volume. They'll be, it seems that they'll be going into a partnership because Club Shay Shay will be now a part of the. Uh, growing podcast network of the volume, which includes the Draymond Green uh, show and the Richard Sherman podcast all under the volume umbrella. So 
Shannon Sharp, he's getting money. And that's a great thing because he left a great place like Undisputed where he had creative uh, control of Club Shay Shay with his whole YouTubing business with that and also podcasting with that and then going on Undisputed and making money there and having the debates with Skip. Now he's moving from one animated person onto another big time animated person like a Stephen A. Smith. And I think now with him going on first take and now probably even debating with Stephen A. Smith on some football topics and even when basketball topics come up when basketball season happens I think this is a great thing for Stephen A. Smith and a great thing for Shannon Sharp because you got two uh black dudes that's going to be able to actually just talk about it and really even bring some black people the way they talk about it in the barbershop the way they talk about sports into ESPN's field because Shannon Sharp he is black, and I mean, my man is uh, urban. He's culture. He brings in the social media stuff with him when he was on uh, Undisputed with Skip. He was able to bring the black, uh, just a black embodiment over to Undisputed and have that fun time. And black Twitter was able to take that and clip that up from time to time and make you uh, see what Shannon Sharp is doing over there. Stephen A. Smith, I can't really say that. Say that was happening over there on first take. Stephen A. Smith, yes, he's the black dude. Yes, he is the, like, figurehead for ESPN. He is, like, their, like, their bobblehead, if you will. If you think of ESPN, you think of Stephen A. Smith. You think of him right there in your face. Now, with that being the case, Stephen A. Smith, he can't go out on the ledge and do certain black things, like wear a do-rag on TV, have uh, Hennessy on television. The same way that Shannon Sharp was able to do that on uh, Undisputed, but he was doing it in a jokingly fashion. I think Shannon Sharp, he could bring that type of versatility and his funniness over to uh, First Take and make social media really pay attention to First Take more than what they were doing whenever Undisputed have Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless on there. But now, hopefully that's the case. Hopefully uh, First Take gets the social media track thing that obviously ESPN wants, but we'll have to wait and see. But great on them for snagging up uh, Shannon Sharp. And hopefully on September 4th, uh, Stephen A. Smith and Shannon Sharp, they'll be able to work out any kinks that's going to be in their programming and uh, get everything moving in the right direction. Because if they like what Shannon Sharp is doing on those Mondays and Tuesdays, I can see them probably forking over a bigger contract to him and try to even extend his days out and try to be making him a legit permanent host on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and even the Friday editions of uh, First Take. But it's all going to be on the chemistry on Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. Smith to see how they work together. But I don't think that's going to be a problem. So I'm at least going to be well recording September 4th, and I'm going to be recording when uh, Undisputed comes back because I want to see how Undisputed's whole roster deals with one another. So that is going to be great. So, yeah, that's what's going on in the sports world. Now going over into cinematography. Today, if you are not aware, today is National Cinema Day, which means you can go to a movie theater and you can purchase a movie ticket for $4. Now, if you're not aware of if your uh, movie theater is 
doing this whole $4 ticket, you can go to nationalcinema.com, well, not .com, .org, and they will tell you what participating theaters in your area will actually be honoring the $4 uh, movie ticket. Now, for people that were not able to see some of the big movies that have came out this year, if you haven't still watched Barbie, which is now the highest grossing uh, movie in 2023, you can go watch that. If you haven't seen Oppenheimer, you can go and watch that. Um, Gran Turismo, that just came out. You can go and watch that. There's plenty of other movies, again, all within your area. Um, you can go and see those movies. And I would say you probably want to do so. Because, again, there's movies that people haven't seen and probably make a day out of it. I know certain people is probably going to pay like $4 and just pop from one movie to another to another. Make that your day today on Sunday. Stop this podcast, go to a movie theater, buy a ticket, and just movie hop if that's your plan. But go and watch a movie. Relax yourself. Please do so. And sticking with the whole Showtime business industry here, Kevin Hart, comedian Kevin Hart, he is now in a wheelchair, at least for now, because Kevin Hart would come out on Instagram and tell everyone that he's in a wheelchair because he tried to compete against a former NFL running back, Stephen Wadley, to a foot race. And he would admit that he blew... Uh, his blew out his lower abdomen. He blew out certain things that he didn't even know what it is. But point being, he's done. He is in a wheelchair. He says that he'll be able to get back to the mission in six to eight weeks. So that's about a month and a half to two months. And he blames it all. He's about old. He's in his 40s and he tried to do some young people stuff by competing in a 40-yard dash, which he admits was dumb and stupid. So with that being said, anybody within their 40s or older, or this even goes out to even people in their 30s, you probably want to at least uh, stretch yourself out. And I'm serious, like literally stretch before you try to do any physical activities because you don't want to end up uh, blowing anything out and making you uh, either be in a wheelchair or on crutches because that sucks. So get well, Kevin Hart. Now, with saying everything that I had to say, I think I'm done. It's time for me to get you guys out of here. I want to say thank you to the podcast sites, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, Audible, you know the rest. Because without them, I wouldn't be able to get this episode or my podcast in general out to you guys, the listeners. So I would like to thank you, the listeners, the downloaders. Because without you, I would just be one guy talking into a mic, into a straight up just an empty void. And I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone that downloads it from America, from Canada, Germany, uh, Switzerland, um, all these other places internationally. Because it still blows my mind that my podcast is still able to reach all these different places in the world. And I truly do thank every single one of you. Now, always remember. I love you. I love you. I do love every single one of you guys. This is not a gimmick. This is me being genuinely as genuine as I am and as I can be. I truly do appreciate everybody and I love every single one of you guys. I hope you guys have a great uh, week. Uh, let your week start strong and end strong. And just to let everyone know, today is All Elite Wrestling's uh, all-in pay-per-view. It starts at 1 o'clock over here in America, but I will be giving you guys my... Uh, review of that pay-per-view tomorrow on Monday and I just want to keep everybody up to date with that and 
I still have a Saturday podcast I did yesterday. It was me giving tribute to Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk at the end of the pod. And I will be doing still the midweek uh, breakdown on Wednesdays. And if you haven't listened to any of these past episodes, it's in the archives and anywhere you are listening to this podcast at. So again, I want to say that and with all this promotion out of the way, please have a safe week. Please be careful. Please be generous and kind to everyone. Please don't be a dickhead. At least try not to be one. Now, with that being said, this has been My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. He is I and I am him. I love you guys. This isn't goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet sounding voice again. And with that all being said, Kanye, could you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.